that gap um, so we don't struggle with all this domestic violence against women, for instance. So here's the rebuke from Jesus himself. Couple of them. Same line, different scriptures. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, mu- not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Matthew eight twenty six. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm again. So yet Jesus and his disciples, they're in a boat, there's a storm, everybody's panicking, and Jesus says, Hey, why did you even wake me up? Oh, you of little faith. Matthew 14, 31, it's Peter, and he walks on water, but then his faith falters, and he sinks into the water. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This guy just did a pretty amazing thing. He walked on water. And then Jesus like, hey, listen, Yoko, let me help you out. Why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus over, overheard this conversation in the spirit, what they were discussing And he said this to the disciples, Are you of little faith? Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Again, you have little faith. And then Matthew 17, this is a story of a father that brings his son to the disciples. Disciples couldn't drive out a demon because he he kept on falling into into the fire and he had all these fits. And then he brings the son to Jesus. And then Jesus answered, a faithless and twisted generation. So this is what Jesus is saying. Sweet little kind Jesus. A faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? He's saying this to his friends. I believe it's a rebuke for us too. So let's take it seriously. Why is Jesus saying this? And then he drives out the demon. Disciples come to Jesus, asked him, hey, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And Jesus said, because of your little faith. So we're going to contend now for physical healing, but I believe the ingredient that's necessary for us to move in the power of God is faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11 says, verse 1 says what? Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's the ability to grab hold of a reality that already exists in the spirit that you might not be able to see. You're probably not going to be able to see. But because of your faith in the word of God, your faith in who God is, what he says about the specific situation, you can bring that into your reality and it will manifest. It's a supernatural thing. And God has given us the seed of faith in Jesus Christ. When you get saved, you experience that born again experience and you are born into the spirit, which is the power with God and helps him to do all the miracles that he did on earth. You have access to that very anointing. Who of you call yourself a Christian? 
people ask you, hey, what kind of faith are you? You're like, I'm a Christian. You know what you're saying? You're saying, I am a, an anointed one. That's what Christ means. Christian means I am an anointed one. So if you're saying I'm an anointed one, you better be able to display the anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the, is the grace given to Jesus and then given to us to walk in the power of God. Yes, to walk in the opposite spirit. If, if Luke's angry and he's ugly with me, then I can bless him with love. That's part of the anointing. It, it's a supernatural ability to walk according to Jesus' rules and regulations as he gave to us in the scriptures, in, in the gospel. But it's also the power of God. If your friend's struggling with anxiety, your friend's struggling with uh, like demonic dreams, you go into his room and you go there, sit with your friend on your knees and you just pray and those dreams will disappear. It's your friend calling you and say, hey, uh, just my mom, my dad's fighting all the time and they are throwing the divorce word into the mix. We're going to pray now. We're going to trust that it will not happen. Are you with me? Then you need the power of God. Then you're desperate. You need this. If you're faced with death and God, I don't know what to do. There's no doctor that I can call. I need this. Then you need to pray. We have a, a friend in our, in our church, Clyde Lumberts. His dad passed away when they walked up Table Mountain. He was declared death, dead by the, by the doctor. And they prayed for him at the hospital and he got resurrected. You need that. Why? Why are we going after these things? One, because Jesus modeled it. Two, because it brings glory to Jesus. It brings so much glory to Jesus. So we want faith. So already, hopefully, you're starting to have this conversation with, with Jesus. Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry for my little faith. Rebuke me again, Jesus. Because I want to walk in faith. I don't want to limit myself. I don't one day want to get into heaven and you standing there in front of me and you said, Hey, all of these things I've planned for you but you didn't do 20% of them because of your little faith. And we shouldn't go into performance. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's a higher standard of God's power that wants to work through all of us, not only the guy with the mic, not only the worship team, not only the guy who goes out onto the street and pray for people, but all of us have access to this. So let's look at God's will with Jesus. Why did Jesus come to this earth? What's the Sunday school answer? Why did he die on the cross? For, for our sins. That's the Sunday school answer, which is absolutely 100% true. But he had to die for our sin because sin created distance between us and God. There's a valley, a chasm of sin between us and God. When we are born into this world, we are born into this world as sinners, and there's distance between us and God. That's why, why there's so much nonsense in the world. It's because of, of that reality. 
We are born into this world as sinners. So Jesus came and he defeated sin on the cross. And in Jesus, we then become sinless. We, our sin are removed. Our sin are forgiven. And that restores us to God the Father, that we have a relationship now with him. Beautiful. So Jesus came and he destroyed sin in principle. So if you're in Jesus, then sin is destroyed in your life. But also he came to destroy the consequences of sin. So 1 John 3 verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So the devil's work is original sin, the fact that we are born into sin. But it's also the consequence of that reality. The reason why we suffer, why there's pain, why there's trauma, why there's hurt, why there's sickness, why there's illness, is because of the devil. It's not God's idea. It's the devil. And Jesus came to destroy that work on the cross He died. He was raised from dead. Because where does sickness and illness lead to? Death. So Jesus said, hey, I'll just go for the big guy. I'll go for death. I'm going to destroy death so that you can see that you have power of victory over everything that leads to death. So if you are in Jesus, you have access to that power. Hopefully your faith is already stirred in what Jesus wants to do tonight. John 10 verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So if you're thinking of things in your life that's stealing, that's killing, that's destroying, that's the devil's work. Don't give that work to God. It's not him. But what did Jesus come to do? I have come that they may have life and life to the full. So yesterday around the dinner table, I asked my kids, so sickness, where does it come from? And the boys were trying to be theological, and then Eva, who's our head girl in our home, she said, sickness comes from the devil. Alles wat sleg is, papa, kom van die devil. So sickness is sleg, dit kom van die devil. It's a perfectly profound, theological, correct statement. Acts 10.38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All that were oppressed by the devil, all that suffered because of this curse of sin, all of them were healed. You can see the the destroying of the devil's work that Jesus is doing. So God can heal you, but also God wants to. He wants to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And all of us will hopefully believe, we believe God can do it. Where's Niku? There's Niku at the back. So he has titanium rods in his back. I said it last time also. It's one of my faith goals for this month. Those titanium rods must be completely removed by God. Because I've heard testimonies of this. Chuck, 
Perry, who's coming later this month, he's part of, he's a director of the healing rooms, and they've seen stuff like that. So I'm trusting for that to happen. Because then what we're going to do is we're going to get his x-rays, and we're going to put it on Georgitas Danzon. And I'm going to force all of you to share it all over. But hopefully all of you believe God can do that. Is that God can do that. But here's where faith comes in. We, we want to not only know that God can do it, we also want to know what is God's will. Okay, and here there's a lot of theological discussion around this. But this is what I believe the word says. It's God's will also to heal you. It's his will to heal you. Yo, Amo, but what about people that now have died? What about judgment? It's always God's will to heal you. It's always God's will to heal you. And even if you look at, for instance, the, the Old Testament, Naaman, he got, a, he got leprosy, and then he had to go and wash him seven times in the Jordan, and then God healed him after that judgment. So it's God's will to heal. That's a statement that I mean. And a lot of people have been offended by that statement. It's always God's will to heal. But then, oh, what about my uncle? We prayed for him and he died of cancer. I don't know. Oh my, hey, my, my dad died of, of COVID. Oh, we prayed for him. I don't, I don't know what happened there. All I know that it's clear from the Bible that God says, I'm going to number your days, and I've numbered your days. You don't have to submit to sickness or illness to number your days. Allow for God to number your days. So, if I tell Eva, Eva, I'm going to buy you a dress. She, know, she knows that I can buy a dress. Because like I said in the morning services, the church pays well. I can buy a dress. Woolworths. Uh, look. We, got, we get decent salaries. Woolworths probably. But at first she would go like, yeah, my dad can buy me a dress. But when I go to her and I say to, to her, Eva, in two weeks time, on a Saturday, I'm going to take you to Woolworths and we're going to buy that dress. Then faith kicks in in her life. She's going to go to her friends. Hey, listen, yeah, I'm going to get a dress. She's going to go to her brothers. Hey, listen, yeah, you didn't get anything this month. I'm going to get a dress in two weeks' time. That's faith. But we just, we settle for, yeah, maybe God can. No, God wants to. He, and, he, and it's not only for healing, for physical healing, it's for that breakthrough that you're trusting for, that relationship to be restored, that getting a wife or a husband one day, or getting a good family, all of that, that, is, that is what God wants for you. If you desire this, and it's in the will of God, then God can and He wants to. So, God wants to heal you. So let's look at the atonement. The atonement is just a big theological word that speaks of what Jesus did on the cross. So we know that 
on the cross, he paid for our sins. So through Jesus, we get he, we get forgiven. But if you look at what the Bible teaches on this atonement, what it, what it brings to us as a blessing, we see there's more than just forgiveness of sin. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And by his stripes we are healed. And in between there it speaks of our iniquities and our transgressions. All of that's taken on him. So on the cross he also paid for our sickness and our illness. This is Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah. And in Matthew 8, the writer then applies that exact prophetic word to Jesus. He said, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. By the way, that's also some, one of the reasons why I want to go after healing. We see a lot of people getting delivered of demons. Even this now coming in here for the service, I heard of somebody that got delivered of vaping last month. For a month now, somebody is clean of vaping, and it happened at our freedom encounter. It's beautiful. And it's not Luke. <laughs> Luke was saying amen, so I just want to help people. So often those two things work together. It's demons need to be cast out and healing needs to happen. Physical, bodily healing. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He took them. On us. So if Jesus paid for them, then you need to go to the shop and you need to say, Jesus already paid for this. I want to take this. You need to take this. But you need to have faith that it's God. He can and he wants to. 1 Peter 2.24 Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. And yes, this healing can speak of your soul healing. It can speak of many different kinds of healing, but it definitely includes also physical healing because we see that in Jesus' ministry, that he heals people physically. So we need, we need faith to grab hold of this. This reality, it's already been paid for. It's like you, when the take-a-lot package parcel comes and arrives at your house, you're like, hey, how much? And the guy's like, oh, it's already paid for. So, no, no, how much? Like, you can give me a tip, but it's already paid for. Because it's almost, it's almost too good to be true, but you need to have faith that it's already paid for. I love what F.F. Bosworth said. He said, faith is the hand that takes from God. Is that a hand that, thank you very much. God, you already paid for this. I'm not going to insult you by saying you haven't paid for this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. So faith is the key to receiving healing. Matthew 9, 22, it's the woman of, with discharge of, of blood, and we actually had a healing of that last week. Cool story. You can ask Janine about it. And she touches Jesus, the hem of his garment, and then Jesus turns around 
And when he saw her, he says, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. That lady, she had the faith. All she needed to do is, I just needed to touch the anointed one. I just needed to touch Jesus, and then he would heal me. That is faith. She had the evidence of the unseen. She saw it, and she took hold of it. Faith is the hand that takes hold of God's blessing. Two blind men comes to Jesus, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And then they say, yes. Again, it's faith is a statement. Yes, we believe you can do this. And he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. And that's often why we don't see healing. or Why we don't see the power of God. Because God's also saying this to us. According to your faith, let it be to you. But your faith is is put in this place of fear and anxiety. And you don't really believe that God's for you. You don't really believe that God has forgiven your sin. You don't really believe that you are worthy. But if you read scripture, it's very clear that you are worthy. And God has died for your sins and there's no condemnation, and he has taken all your shame away, and then it's still according to your faith. Because that's the problem with our relationship with God, is that God gave us free will, so we can decide, are we going to put our faith in what we feel, or are we going to put our faith in the Word of God, or what God says is true? And it's a, it's a constant battle between flesh and spirit. That's why reading your Bible is so important. Bringing your Bible to church is so important. Because you need to digest what God's saying. All of us are digesting all the time information. And most of that information is not aligned with what God's saying. We had a friend who who struggled with, with cancer, with breast cancer. And she went through all the medical procedures. We prayed for her, etc. And she just made a point. She would not allow anybody to speak negative of her situation. Nobody that's in her life were allowed to speak. She was, she's, very, she's honest with herself. She knows that a lot of people die of breast cancer. But she's not going to allow any negative word. Why? Because she is only wanting to digest what God says. And I think that's sometimes something that we need to do. You need to cut out all those voices that tell you, you cannot, you cannot do this. It's impossible. God will never come through for you. But then have those, have that wise counsel. Close people around you say, you know what? I'm putting my faith out with you. For God, nothing is impossible. Those are the people that God works with and blesses. So, blind Bartimaeus, he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind. He just knows there's a man's passing, 
And somehow the story spread that this guy can heal me. And he is the son of David, the Messiah. He's saying, hey, some of the Pharisees, the theologians of the day, they didn't even know that this is the son of David. But somehow he got hold of this truth and he's screaming this out. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And then Jesus stops and asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And then Bartimaeus said, heal my eyes. I want to be able to see. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. James 5 James speaking about how we should bring the ill and bring them to the elders and they must anoint the, the person who is sick. And often we focus too much on bringing them to the elders and anointing them. It's the specific anointing oil that you need to get from Israel and the specific spices and then maybe God's in this if it's really organic and then you're going to get healed. And we focus on the recipe and we don't understand really about our faith because the very next line says the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up so it's the faith then will that will ultimately heal the person so hopefully this is what I wanted to do tonight up until this point I wanted to tell you that all of us struggle with this disease, lack of faith. And the reason for that is often our experience. Because you prayed for something, didn't happen. And then you give up. And you tell God that He is the sum total of your experience. You know how arrogant that is. Or what you do is you take your experience, and you say, hey, I'm going to read everything in the Bible according in the context of my experience. So obviously, it's only the disciples that can do that, people that lived with Jesus, and the guys that's really anointed, the people that fly in with the jets and the white suits, those are the people, not me. God saying, listen here, this is for everybody. So here's the good news. 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot, it is impossible for God to deny himself. And, and really that is the key for our faith to develop. To understand that he is faithful. God's desire to show the word to be true is so much greater than our desire to experience that manifestation of the healing or the miracle. It's God that wants to touch you. Because it will ultimately reveal his character. He is faithful. And when we pray for people, and we're going to pray for people with, for healing now, is it's not like, oh, Lord, I must use the right recipe in the name of Jesus. I'm going to rebuke this thing or in the name of Jesus or whatever. 
No, it's like, Lord, I'm not tapping into you. I cannot do this, but you can do this. Natasha, who also volunteers here with us, she came forward one, one Sunday and she said, Hey, Amo, I've been diagnosed with epilepsy and um, I want you to pray for me. The doctor's saying this, I'm not going to take this. And, and we love doctors in this church and God even uses doctors also and it's great to live healthy, for instance. That's why we're taking away all the sugar this month so there's not going to be sugar at the coffee stand because sometimes you don't need you just need sugar to do the devil's work in your life, okay? So healthy living, okay? So, but let's let's get back to to healing. Gluttony, by the way, it's a it's a sin. So you remove sin, we need to rebuke that sin out of our out of our lives. So she comes forward and she's telling me this story, and me, man of big faith, I. I say to her, listen, yeah, but yeah, maybe you should just, sometimes you need to listen to the doctors on a bad thing. And she, she says to me, oh, I didn't come here to now trust a doctor. I came here to trust God. You're going to pray for me and I'm going to get healed. She brought her husband with any shame the guys that who stand there. And we prayed for her, a demon manifested, she fell to the ground, she stood up and she said, I'm healed. She dropped all her, all her pills, didn't use, she's not using it anymore, she hasn't had an epileptic, epileptic fit and that was last year already. Beautiful story. Same happened with a guy in Prince Albert. He was diagnosed from, from a baby having epilepsy. And then he came to our freedom encounter in Oteren and he got delivered of a demon. I didn't know if the epilepsy was gone. Only three months after that, the pastor there phoned me and said, Hey, Amor, the guy testified, and he's completely free. He also is not taking his medication anymore. That's what God can do. But I, I said to Natasha afterwards, and there's, Afrikaans, there's only Afrikaans word for this. Jy is hargat in jou geloof. You are stubborn in your faith. And she said, apparently her dad told her she must go and stand against the wall and push a bum against the wall and say, Ek is So it was like a, almost a word of knowledge. But there's a stubbornness that you need to know. This is what God's saying. And I'm going to take hold of this. And if you read through the, the years of faith, that's what we see. We see that. He's like, David's like, hey, listen here. I'm a shepherd's boy. There's an uncircumcised Philistine. And he is blaspheming the Lord that I serve. The Lord's with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to kill that guy. Everybody's like, no, you can't. Yes, he can. He's stubborn enough in what God says. Okay, so... I want to say this again, and if you want to come and argue with me, you're welcome to do this. A lot of people have come to argue with me around this topic. God says, if we have faith in who He is, then we can receive healing. And our faith can be in the Word of God. The Word of God says clearly that in the atonement, just like we receive forgiveness of sin, we can receive healing 
for our body.